0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca, and we do have a Monday with the great EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good, Don. We got so much to get into. I guess let's start with last night and the Sammy Blay injury. We still have not gotten word as of this recording how serious it is, but it looks really, really bad to see a leg bend that way just It was kind of nauseating to see, um, and it looks pretty serious, although we haven't got official word on the length of, of time he'll be out. But it's a play involving P.K. Subban, and I wanted to get your thoughts on what you saw. It looked inadvertent to me, but sometimes it's really difficult to give players the benefit of the doubt. This is not the first time, E.J., he's been involved in a play like this. So what did you see from it and just your thoughts overall?
1: Um, I, I, listen, I, I thought it was inadvertent, but you know, the old story is, I mean, these guys, we've talked about this before. These guys are so good that sometimes what looks accidental can be intentional. Now, um, there was that incident in, in the preseason. There's been other things P.K.'s been involved in. I mean, for me, I'm not buying into that. So, I mean, the game is a hard game. It's a nasty game. Guys hit P.K. He hits the other guys. There's, just, there, I've always been of the belief, Donnie, there's not a lot of angels that are out there. This is a hard game played by guys that compete at the highest level, and uh, they battle. And so, you know, you've got to be ready to go all the time. So I'm not buying into it as far as anything on PK. It's really unfortunate for Sammy Blay. I think he's uh, the, the Rangers added a player like Sammy Blay for a reason uh, to their group this year to try to be a little bit... Uh, harder around the edges, and it's a big loss for them, no question. So hopefully it's not as bad as it seems, but uh, it's unfortunate, really, when anybody gets hurt, and, uh, you know, sad to see that for Sammy Blank, for sure.
0: Yeah, it was pretty ugly, and uh, the Rangers overcome it. They win in the shootout. And you're starting to see a little bit more out of uh, Panarin and Zabanajad. But I, I look at this team, EJ, and you're 9-3-3. Three, and, three, and And I think they've got to be pretty happy where they are in the standings. Certainly there's a lot to improve on. But, you know, watching the team overall, it looks like it could be a playoff team. I'm not really sure how much better they can be. They're getting tremendous goaltending. Sure, Panarin and Zabanajad could play better. There's things that could work. But when now evaluating them over the 15 games that they've played... You know, they've won nine of them. They've gotten 12 uh, games in which they've earned a point out of the 15. But I'm I just not sure how much better it could be And in the final analysis whether this is a team that ultimately can make the playoffs or make any kind of run once they get there.
1: Well, I mean, uh, I mean it's about winning, right? It's a winning business, as they say. So the record has been pretty good, all things considered, in the first – you know the first 15 games, so that's the first and foremost. I mean, uh, you know, you you win nine, you get points in 12 out of the 15. You got to be really happy. Now, when you watch the games, you know a lot of it has been Shesterkin has been really good. He's stolen some games, and you know they've gotten there without some contributions or as many contributions from guys as you might think that you're going to get. Um, the younger players, the the high the high end younger players, still haven't kind of been. Uh, haven't reached, uh, you know, the, the, the level where maybe that you would think they would be at at this stage of their development uh, in terms of production. Although you saw a little bit of that uh, last night, that went over the Devils from Kako and La Frenier. Um So, I mean, you just have to be happy with the record. You have to keep working day to day to be better. You're fortunate. You have really good goaltending. So, you know, the, the goalies are part of the team too, right? And, uh, you know, goalies have been known to – on different teams to really propel teams up the standings when they're playing well. So I think for the Rangers and for Jordan Galat, they just have to keep working day to day on all the the little things that they can be better at and, uh, you know, try to get better over the course of the next 15 games. It's hard to make the playoffs in the, in the NHL these days with 32 teams now. And it's real the a parody in this league, as we've talked about many, many times is, you know, I can't, I can't state that enough about how hard it is to win on a night-to-night basis. I mean, think about this. The Ottawa Senators on Saturday night were missing, I think it was, eight or nine players due to the COVID issues they're having there and and some other injuries. And, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins come in and the Senators kind of run them out of the building. So uh, it is hard to win on a night-to-night basis. So I'm saying for, for the Rangers and their fans, be thrilled that you're 9-3-3 three, and, three, and just try to continue to work to get better. And I think that the had and Panera, their track records are too long. Those guys are going to start to produce more. And, you know, this team this team could have a next 15 games, Donnie, where they play way better and their record isn't 9-3-3. Three, three. It might be worse. So yeah. you just never know in the league. But I would say be real happy about that record and then just, you know, again, for Gerard Galant company trying to work to continue to get better.
0: You now, EJ, we spent a lot of time on uh, Friday talking just about that this Pacific division where at first blush at the beginning of the year, you're thinking, all right, well, it's probably not that great a division. It might turn out to be the best division, and part of it's because of how well the Kings and Ducks have played, and the Ducks now yep. seven straight wins. Uh, Troy Terry, a point in 14 consecutive. I mean, this is really shocking to me. I think we all looked at the Kings and said, "Yeah, that's a team that could be better." You mentioned the Devils and the Blue Jackets, teams that missed the playoffs last year. You expected them to be better. I didn't see this from the Ducks at all. Did you?
1: No, but I will say this. I mean, the Ducks' problem in the last couple of years, particularly last year, was they couldn't score. I mean, they could not score. I mean, it was it was brutal. Um, they were just their offense was terrible last year in 56 games they had 11 power play goals and uh, you know again I think they average they might have averaged below two goals a game last year it was it was bad so in the off season this year they make some changes to their coaching staff they uh, they bring in some help uh, you know to, in terms of trying to help their power play and and to do some other things and you know, their power play this year, they already have more than 11 power play goals. So their power play has been way better. And, and I like it when teams can fix problems, right? There are franchises that have had the same problems for years and haven't been able to fix them. So the Ducks were able to to do that, and uh, they've been able to fix that power play. So that's a plus. Um, when you look at them, Gibson and, and Stolarz, I think, are a terrific candidate. Certainly Gibson is one of the very best goalies in the league when he's on his game, and he's he can keep being games night after night after night. When you look at their defense, Fowler, Lindholm, Shattenkirk is a good, uh, you know, offensive-minded defenseman. Uh, Drysdale is a terrific young defenseman. I mean, they got the makings of a pretty good group of defense there. And I thought they had good players on defense last year. Manson, I mean, he's a veteran right-shot guy. But because they're so taxed without any offense, I mean, it just makes it almost a waste of time. Because you just can't win games when you're scoring less than two goals. So now, the power the power play is way better. You've got uh, you know young players like Troy Terry, who's off to that great start you mentioned. Trevor is eager to start to find his way. I mean, he's a gifted player. Uh, he had a big night in their win over the Canucks last night. Uh, you know, Ryan Getzlaf tested the free agent market. There was some thought he was going to leave. You know, he's a veteran player, but he looks incredibly re engaged this year and. You know he's still a big horse out there. He's a great playmaker, and he's kind of up that list in terms of their leading scores this year. Adam Henrique has been a helpful, really helpful veteran player for them. So when you add, you know the young players are contributing, the older players are playing well, and the power play has been way better. All of a sudden they're scoring a few more goals. You add that with a good defense and good goalie, all of a sudden now you're harder to deal with. So uh, they're going to be fun to watch. They've won seven straight they've been very competitive even in the games that haven't worked out for them earlier in the season so I'll be really interested to see if they can continue to play at this
0: level On the other end of it they beat up on Vancouver, a lot of rumblings out of British Columbia that maybe Travis Green's in trouble, are you hearing anything? Do you think he can survive this?
1: I think it's going to be a struggle, I, and I like Travis Green I think he's done a good job there I don't know what the problems are in Vancouver they've uh, they've had to sign guys They they they've you know, the, the younger guys, uh, Pedersen and Hughes, got signed. Um, you know, I like their group of top six forwards. Um, but when you have to sign guys, you have to make decisions financially your group. Um, you know, Thatcher Demko has been solid. Last night it was a lock in there. I don't know if Yarrow might be, you know, maybe Yarrow has passed his, uh, his prime at this point, even as a number two. And so that's something they got to look at, uh, if, you know, if it's going to be a struggle with him. Last year, It was kind of a struggle for Braden Holtby in that role, Uh, so you know I look at their group right now, and I liked, uh, you know, I like some of their players there, but it's not working for whatever reason. And usually, when that happens, you know, somebody has to pay the price. And you know, Jim Benning is another guy, the GM there, who I think has done a, I think Jim has done a really pretty good job of trying to. You know, he had to rebuild around having the Sadims there still, and he was able to do that. And they brought in some really good players, young players, and they made a push a couple of years ago. But last year, they, uh, they had a lot of issues with injury and with illness with the COVID problems they had in Vancouver. And this year, they're not off to the start. They were hoping for part and parcel, I think, of the fact that, as you mentioned, the division is tougher than, you know, than people imagined. You know, Edmonton and Calgary have been really good. Uh, LA and Anaheim have been, have been excellent. You got San Jose playing better than people think, uh, and then we haven't even you know you haven't even talked about Vegas, who everybody thought would be the best team in the division. They've had a ton of injuries, but they still got a pretty good team there. So, you know, for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, I think losing last night the way they lost five to one, albeit two goals came late, one in an empty net, and one. In. Uh, I would think that there's going to start the pressure is going to start to mount, and uh, I would imagine that is going to happen and get things turned around quickly.
0: They did win their last game, but any talk of the struggles of Dallas, why, when it looks like they are, you know, getting healthier that they're under 500, is Rick Bonus in any trouble in Dallas?
1: Well, I would think he might be. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it depends on, you know, how they look at it internally. For me, they're a huge disappointment so far this year. I look at their roster and I I just like their players and maybe I'm overrating who they have, but uh, you know, I'm a big Merrill Heiskanen fan. Uh, I think he's terrific. John Kligberg is a really good offensive defenseman. Asim Lindell is an underrated defender. Uh, they've added Ryan Suter. Um, you know, they got that mix of the veterans like Ben Sagan, Radulov, Pavelski up front with younger guys like Robinson and Hints and, and Gary Onoff. And, uh, you know, so for me, uh, you know, I, I I think that they should be better than they are um, if the upper management group agrees with me, that the coach is going to be in trouble, right? I mean, that's that's the way it goes, but uh, you know, they did have a nice win the other night against Philadelphia um, you wonder about, you know, where they're at with their goaltending, because you know uh, Hudobin was terrific two years ago coming out of the, the bullpen, so to speak to, to lead that run to a cup final but I don't think you know, two years later, we see Hudoven as the guy who's going to be there night after night after night to get it done. They've added Holtby, who had a good start, but you know, more suited at this point of his career to be a two. The best goaltender on their, you know, within that's playing right now within that group is, uh, you know, that has the most upside is Jake Ottinger, But because of the situation they're in with the two veterans, you know, he was in the minors until he was recently called up because of the injury to Holtby. So. Um, and you know we don't know what the hell's going on with with Ben Bishop, so you know that could be the bugaboo for them. Uh, I guess you know when you have four goalies, maybe you have no goalies, Brian. and uh, unless they turn it over to Jake Ottenger to be the guy and hope that he can, you know, be a terrific player, uh, you know, for them at a young age. That's that's probably something they got to figure out. But uh, to me, they've been a disappointment, and uh, we'll see if they can build on this win against the Flyers. But. Uh, I really have been disappointed
0: with the start. Yeah, Also disappointing here early on, uh, the Islanders at 5-4-2. and two. Now, all 11 games have been on the road, this uh, unbelievable road trip to get things started before they actually can open up the new building on November 20th. But in that 4-0 loss against the Devils, EJ, they just looked slow. And the Devils will make you look slow, because the Devils are really quick, but... You know, I know it's early and I know there's a target on their back and we've, we you'd usually see slow starts for teams that have bigger fish to fry, right? And and they are on the road. So are there some built-in excuses there? But they looked a little bit slow to me. Did they look slow to you?
1: Yes, they do look a little slow to me. And I just wonder, I mean, it's such a competitive league, as I mentioned earlier, and it's so – the the, the the parity is such that it's so difficult on a night-to-night basis to get it done, and you know things can change quickly. I mean, over the last couple of years, they moved Letty out, they moved they moved uh, Tays out, and those are two pretty good skating left-shot defensemen. So, you know, they've replaced them with basically with Andy Green and Zdeno Chara. Now, Andy Green's playing a spouse game on Monday night, long in the tooth, and Char is even longer in the tooth, and. Uh, you know you just really wonder if you know those losses you know how much they impact this team uh, it looks like uh Sebastian Ajo the other Sebastian Aho, is going to be in the lineup tonight for the Islanders as they take on Tampa with no adoption out um for them so you know if he could come in he's a left shot guy if he could come in and, and maybe be a player for them down the road that's another option that's that would be helpful so um you know, I i this this little swing here, they got two games, Tampa and Florida back to back, hard games to finish that road trip. I mean if they can get three out of four points now, they could you know, you can now spin that as hey, we may, we survived this trip and we did pretty well and we're in the, you know, we're ready to to jump into our home schedule. But if they were to lose those games back to back and you finish that trip uh, you know, it's it's less than ideal. In a very competitive division and conference, uh, you know, it may be harder for the honors this year than we thought. So, uh, curious to watch how they make out tonight. I think Lula Amarillo will try to address that uh, defense and that left side at some point when he can, but he's, he's up against it cap wise, so it'll be a challenge.
0: All right, you want to do some tweets? Let's do it. All right, let's do it, Tim. Wants to know, even though it's their inaugural season, could you see a coaching change in Seattle? Hackstall hasn't exactly proven himself to be a winning no. NHL coach no anywhere. I like okay. a lot of the players. No, way. No? no way, <laughs> no
1: <laughs> way. No <laughs> way. No. Ronnie Francis likes Dave Hackstall. He was a ten pick guy. This is an expansion franchise, uh, and unless Dave Hackstall resigns for reasons other than hockey uh that's not okay. happening i don't foresee that happening either dave's a real good guy and uh you know it hasn't worked out that well so far uh i think uh you know it's a challenge it was you knew it was going to be hard to match what vegas did in their first year i think seattle it's going to be a struggle for them and uh but no i don't see any coaching change in the near future for the seattle Kraken.
0: and just to stay on topic david wants to know should there be any concerns about grubauer
1: Grubau was kind of a little overrated to begin with. I mean, he was on a really good team in Colorado and played well there, but when push came to shove, he wasn't great um, when it came to playoff time and he had some injuries, so I think Phil Grubauer was a good goalie but not, you know, not much more than that. And so, you know, he's playing behind a team that's an expansion team that's big and strong, but maybe a little small and doesn't score enough. So, you know, I guess it is what it is for right now.
0: Courtney Says, hi, Don and EJ. The Rangers keep finding ways to win games, even if it's not pretty for a portion of the games. Even their goal differential is negative. Should we really be buying into the team making the playoffs? I'm afraid of false hope. Also, please apologize to EJ for me because of my tweet getting him to dance on NHL Now a couple of weeks ago. I appreciate him being a good sport and going with it. I honestly didn't think that they would put it on the show. Thanks, guys.
1: Well, as you know, Don, I am really a very high-end dancer. Yes. So it was not, it was not an issue, and in fact, my people are discussing an appearance on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, nice! In the near future. So yeah. So I appreciate that. Uh, as for the Rangers, I mean, again, I go back. It's nine three and three. You know, false hope. I mean, fans always sit there. Oh, you know, be happy. You're nine three and three. You're playing well, and you're some of your top players haven't even really produced yet. So, for me, I think Ranger fans just take it one game at a time and enjoy the run. And they got a good team. They got a lot of high end players in that group.
0: Yeah, and it was a nice atmosphere last night too. It It was that was a fun game. That was a fun win. And remember, you know, the only team that has played more road games than the Rangers are the Islanders. And the Islanders have a reason because their building isn't open yet. So 10 of the first 15 games have been on the road. They're going to play back-to-back home games for the first time this year when they play the Canadians on Tuesday. So, again, not making excuses. I, I think you're right. You're, Bill Parcells said it. You're, you are where your record says you are. 9-3-3 three, and three says that you're good. And so we'll try to fight through it. But you know how we get. We dissect. It's not enough to just look at the final score. we got to go deeper and deeper and deeper. But... Right now, this team is flawed. I don't think this is a team that's winning a championship anytime soon, but it's nice to get off to a good start, and who knows? You know, we've, you know Who thought Montreal would go to the Stanley Cup final last year? you got to be in it to win it, and uh, what did Wayne say? You, can, you can't win a cup in October or November, but you certainly can lose it, so at least they're in, a, in yeah. the conversation. Yeah,
1: exactly. Good start. Just build on it moving forward, and listen, they got to find out about a lot of guys still. And you know, kako and Lafreniere, and and you know, Miller on defense, and you know, Fox is still a young player that's growing in his game. I mean, they, they've got a lot of things they've still got to figure out. Yet they got guys that aren't even with the team yet that they're still that think will be part of their group moving forward. So there's a lot to be excited about, and you know, it's it's a process, and I think it's over the next you know this year moving forward, over the next couple of years, they're going to be a very interesting team to watch.
0: Johnny wants to know, why would anyone in Arizona agree to build a new arena for this team? Not a jab, but an honest concern.
1: Here's Johnny (laughs) with a question about the the Coyotes. Um, You know what? The new ownership has come in. They're looking at the future. I mean, yeah, we could sit here and look at the Coyotes of 2007 and 2013 and 2018 and the past and the history, which is been a struggle they've had ownership issues they have had obviously big-time attendance issues there uh you know they had a lot of struggles there's no question but now the the maruo family has come in and you know they have plans to to take this franchise into a into a new place but they're i mean they 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 hired their gm bill armstrong they ripped it to the ground it's a brutal team this year that's going to be a really hard year to watch for the for the uh, Colorado, or I for the uh, Arizona Coyotes. But they've got eight draft picks in the first two rounds next year, three firsts and five seconds. They'll probably do something else with a few of the older players they have that they might be able to move before the deadline to add even more to that. Um, you know, the future is what it's about for them. Um, they are... From what I understand, they are getting that building. They're they're hoping to get that building built at Arizona State in the next three years or so. But the problem for them, Donnie, as a franchise, and this is where it's going to be a real challenge, is because they're going to have to try to be better next year. And if they get Shane Wright, who's the consensus number one, I mean, that helps you, you know, puts a a kind of stake in the ground with a really high-end forward to build around. But But the problem to me, is going to really be that uh, that if they get thrown out of Glendale, which is possible because Glendale has now said that, you know what, you're planning on leaving and we, uh, you know, our, our lease is up with you and we're going to throw you out. If that happens, and that could be to the detriment of Glendale because, you know, they've got to fill those dates over the next two, three years. If they leave, so it could be something that's just kind of a a decision that's made, you know, in a vindictive manner because you're mad that the team is leaving. But if they do do that, the two options for the Coyotes, Donnie, will be for them to play in the Diamondbacks baseball stadium, which is not appealing. No. And uh, or play in the old Coliseum in in, in Phoenix where the uh, Phoenix Roadrunners played many years ago. And it's a building that was built. In the 1950s, that holds about 13,000 people, from what I understand. So um, neither neither is very appealing, but this is where they're at as a franchise if Glendale opts to throw them out. So it's going to be a really rough road, I think, over the next couple of years, potentially for this team, but I think at the end of the day, their plan is that to, they've torn it down to thinking about getting into that new building down the road and then having a really good young team to move forward with. And I'll throw one other little tidbit in there is that if they can get to that stage in three years and they can draft some really good young players, there's a young guy in Toronto that's contract is going to end around that time. And I believe he grew up in the Arizona area. Matthews, I think his name is. So, so like I'm not saying that that's gonna happen but if they can survive all this and get a new building built and 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 draft and develop some good players that the the at the end of the rainbow they might be able to put together something that's really good in a brand new building in an area that more people will be comfortable getting to on a night to night basis over the course of 41 regular
0: season games mm.
1: so going to be a challenge you know that's i know that's a lot of answer for the arizona no, it's, but it's, it's fascinating people, yeah it's really interesting i mean it, if if they were a team that had a, a bigger let's say a bigger fan base or was uh, more of a national story i think this would be a really interesting story for for people to follow but that's the way it's going to play out but you know, I'm hoping for their sake that uh, Glendale opts to keep the Coyotes in that building, which is a terrific building. It's just, it's just in a tough spot for people to get to on a night-to-night basis there, for a number of reasons in that in that area. So, uh, I'm hoping that that works out; they get to stay there. But if they don't, it's going to be a little bit of a rough ride. It's, you know, we saw the Islanders went back to Nassau Coliseum. That is kind of a beloved building. Um, right. I wouldn't imagine it would be as beloved or the Arizona Coyotes to go into the old Veterans Coliseum in Arizona. But we'll see. We'll see no, how
0: it but, plays out. You know, I, I thought about it as you were talking about having to play at whatever it's called now, Chase Field, you know, where the Diamondbacks play, or having to play in an yeah. old building that holds, you know, 13,000 people. It probably won't happen because their intention is to stay in Arizona, EJ, but I kind of thought about the Expos. Remember when they split time between Montreal and Puerto Rico? Like, rather than play, find someplace else to play. You know, you go to Quebec City and play. Go to Houston and play. Now, again, that that might hurt their chances of staying in Arizona, but and it would probably be unfriendly for the players to have to travel as much. But you almost want to see them go someplace else than uh, where they're going to be ignored or be looked upon as a joke. You know? Yeah. Well,
1: I, I get your thinking, but I, I I would imagine what the Murillo, uh, Murillo family is entrenched there with that franchise in the, you know, in the Arizona area, in the Phoenix general area, and it's such a big market. I think that it's more than likely, I mean, it is It is what's going to happen based on the conversations i yeah. have had with a number of people. And that's how it's going to play out. But if they can just stay, if you know, if they can work out a deal in Glendale and stay there, that would be a good way to go. But we'll see. Well, see stranger things have happened in that franchise. I mean, you could write a pretty sizable volume book, about the history of the Arizona Coyotes and all the kind of crazy ups and downs that have happened there. Uh, and that's why it's probably tough for fans as they look at that and say, just like the like Johnny says, like, why would anybody, you know, do that? But I, you got to remember there's different ownership groups, and uh, I think they have a real plan there. We'll see if they can execute it, yeah. but uh, it's going to be interesting times for that franchise, and it's going to be a very difficult year, and I do wonder... You know, is Jacob Chikrin, Donnie, going to be someone that demands, you know, to, you know, that wants out? Because if Chikrin says, listen, I can't do this anymore, you know, that creates an interesting situation there because he is a really good defenseman and he is having a just a terrible statistical start to the season. But I would disregard those stats. This is a good player. Yeah, I agree. And uh, fortunately, just in a really tough situation this season.
0: Well, sounds like you got to your destination, so I'll let you go. All right. Yes, I did. <laughs> That's <okay. laughs> My instincts tell me that EJ has arrived yeah. to his place of business. This and if you might, want to see what he does yes, for a living, 4 o'clock Eastern on the NHL Network.
1: Yeah. Tune in. Tune in for sure. And? and uh, anyway, hopefully
0: I'm – yeah. And for okay. the first time ever, EJ and I will be calling the same game but not at the same um, – location uh ej will be on the call one o'clock rangers at the senators on the nhl network i will be on the call on the radio side so we'll be together although not really together on saturday
1: yeah if you're in the new york area you can tune in to listen to don's call on the radio because you will be unable to get my call on television now if you are outside of the new york market viewing area uh, you know, if you have you know, the time, tune into the NHL Network on yeah. Saturday afternoon, 1 o'clock in Senator Rangers Senators up in Ottawa, and uh, you'll get to hear my call. So uh, there you go. But that's, right. it's exciting. We do all this way together, Donnie, and here we are. That's right. Calling the same day. That's and
0: right. if you're at, at the Canadian Tire people. Center, then you're, you'll be someplace we won't be. That's <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: of us will be at the game (laughs) but we'll both be calling the game and uh, i will be with kevin weeks i would imagine you'll be with the wonderful and talented dave Maloney.
0: that's right
1: so uh, so there you go so uh you know and and listen before i go one other quick shout out to uh to peter mcnab who was dealing and battling with cancer out in uh colorado peter was uh I guess some would remember Peter as someone who did devil's games.
0: Right? Sure, he was, I do. Uh, did
1: color for games, and he was—I think he was a, a devil for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, uh, I could be wrong with that, but uh, he was. And his really father ran the best as, Yeah, best known as a as someone who played for the Boston Bruins for many years, was a great player, and uh, he's going to be going in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame coming up this year, along with Stan Fischler, uh, among others, and um, you know Peter. Uh, is dealing he's having a, a battle with cancer and he's been public about that and he's still working on the avalanche games where he's been the color tv analyst for many many years and i've always thought peter was a terrific guy and really underrated as a player in his career he was a great college hockey player at the university of denver and just want to have a shout out to peter you know to the to hockey fans out there keep peter in your thoughts and uh you know, um, as he goes through this battle, him and his family. So yeah. uh, just that little shout out there for Peter, who's, like I said, and I'm not someone that knows Peter all that well. I, I we've, we've talked in the past from time to time, but uh, just I always enjoy listening to him. and He's such a great hockey guy, and mm. uh, we wish him nothing but the best.
0: Yeah, I, I listen to, if I watch an Avalanche game, I close my eyes, I'm, I'm taken back to those mid-90s Devils teams and, him calling the game was Doc early on. He was He's terrific. And uh, I guess yeah, his wife got a job yeah. in Denver, and he followed her out there and then got the avalanche job when they moved there, and he's, he's terrific. And he was also, I think, one of the um, – what was that Bruins team in the late 70s that had 11 20-goal scorers, and he was one of the 11.
1: Yeah, Peter had a year when he had – I think he had a couple of years where he had 40 goals. He had high 30s. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, the, the, the one thing I always remember about Peter – is that everybody thinks about Mike Milbury hitting the fan with a shoe at Madison sure. Square Garden during <laughs> you know, that that kind of well-documented crazy night at the Garden many, many years ago with the Bruins and Rangers when the Bruins were in the stands. But Peter McNabb was up in there, too.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. So,
1: he was right in the middle of that. So, uh, you know, Mike is remembered because of the uh, the actions that he took with the footwear. Yes, Peter was in the middle of too. That was a crazy. I couldn't even imagine if something like that happened
0: now. Oh my God! It, well, it's, I mean... <laughs> it's oh, like the malice at the palace. It, it's that. It's that level. It, it's it's crazy. That was uh, around Christmas '79. Yep. And yep. Uh, Dave, Dave was on the ice for that. I've talked about that with Maloney. Maloney actually got into an argument yeah. with the official because it was the end of the game, and he he swung his stick and he stormed off to the uh, to the dressing room, <laughs> and he, he missed all uh-huh. the fun.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? Knowing Dave from that, that time of his career and as a player, it's probably really good that Dave was in the dressing room.
0: Yeah, because because
1: Dave was a Dave was a feisty type. Listen, I he was
0: I I, I, I loved. Here's the thing about Dale, This is what I'll tell you about Dave. Dave has been very critical of things that Mike Milbury has said and done. For whatever reason, he's never really criticized him for that because I can see Dave doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see him losing oh, it. So um yeah. I think they Dave, were kind of some far to go there. Dave
1: definitely, Dave definitely wore his emotions. On oh, his still and does. And that's why he was a captain. You know, he was was a leader and such a great guy. You're very, very fortunate to get to work with Dave. Anytime I've had the opportunity to be around Dave and work with Dave, I've just loved it. He's uh, terrific. Yeah, great guy. Anyway, best wishes to Peter and his family. Keep them in your thoughts.
0: Great job, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right, you got it, Donnie. All right, that is the great, and I mean great, EJ Raddick trying to touch all the bases, uh, what's happening in the National Hockey League. Just two games tonight, both at 7 o'clock. Those struggling Islanders will be in Tampa to take on the Lightning. They're getting closer and closer, five days away from the new building, opening up on the 20th against the Calgary Flames. So just a couple of more road games for the Islanders before that as they will be in Tampa and in Sunrise to take on the Panthers back-to-back nights and the Red Wings who have actually been a fun team to watch this Raymond kid's been a lot of fun going up against the Columbus Blue Jackets team that's having a bit of a resurgence as well this year so just a couple of games but both should be a lot of fun we'll be back again on Wednesday want to get in touch with me best way to do that Don LaGreca hashtag game misconduct we'll talk to you again in a couple of days this was the Monday edition of game misconduct this is the game misconduct
1: podcast with Don LaGreca